Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's something that you're not saying. It's part of the game you're playing. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, um, I don't want to sit here and talk about the weather, as all of us do here in Michigan. But my goodness, man, on the day we're recording here, it is soupy, muggy. Is that your kind of weather? Do you, do you like it steamy? Do you like walking out and being wet? What do you, you just say you don't want to talk about the weather and we're talking about the weather? No, this is not my weather. I, I grew up in L.A., semi-arid desert. There's a couple of Big Ten teams in L.A. I've been a long, long-time Big Ten fan. I've been uh, two legendary Big Ten programs out there. So uh, we like it nice and dry out there, Sean. So we're going to bring the weather to Big Ten country. That's a nice uh, segue, you know, oh, yeah, right? Thank you. You don't use those. I mean, transitions are probably something you could work on in your columns. But here on this podcast, you just perfect them. They're, just, <laughs> they're effortless the way, the way they come out. By the way, we want to give a shout out to, um, well, we always want to say, you know, Andrew Hammond is a producer who makes this possible. He's, he's right there. Uh, we can see him. Y'all can't, but uh, maybe that's the way it should be. But we want to say that Anjanette Delgado, who we usually mention several times. She's on vacation. So you and I can say whatever we want. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be cursing. There's going to be all kinds of inappropriate things. And she's going to, she's going to say that she listened to the podcast, but she did not You know, she's on, where, where does Anjanette vacation, Sean? Take a guess. Where would she be right now? I don't know. Boise, Idaho. Boise. No, 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 no. No, I think she has her own private island. I think it's like Anjanet okay. Island. Yeah, you okay. you can't you can't even fly there. You've got to take like a like a raft, and you got to take like a what are those things called the uh, the hovercrafts, whatever they are. You know. Yeah, you don't th- you don't think she's hanging on the Sawtooth Mountains up above Boise? I mean, who knows? Maybe not. No, no, no. In any case, uh, she'll be back with us at some point. And so, if this show gets a little uh, off the rails more than normal. That, that's that's who we're going to blame, right? Absolutely, yeah. For no, she right. she needs to tighten the leash basically, and she's not around to do it. She does. Speak okay. Speaking of the shows, you you alluded to it earlier. You were talking about the new the new Big Ten teams, or as you say, you know the traditional old Big Ten teams that have been in L.A. Oh yeah, um, one uh, one around South Central and one up near uh, Hollywood, kind of, sort of. Beverly Hills, Hollywood. What are you talking? See, you don't know anything about the geography, you big 10. Not, I meant, I meant Beverly Hills. It's not even Beverly Hills quite. It's, uh, there's a name for it. You don't even know the name for it. I mean, Bel Air and Beverly Hills right next to each other. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Beverly. Exactly. It's not quite Beverly Hills. You don't get up there much there. West, North, North part of Westwood, the South part of Westwood Westwood is closer. Well, it's Westwood. Yeah. But South, Part of Westwood is closer to like it's right next to Rodeo Drive and Beverly Hills. The north part That's, of Westwood no, is right on right. Sunset Boulevard. It's right next to the gates of Bel Air. There are gates to Bel Air, by the way, if you ever watch the, the Fresh Prince. You know a lot about that area for somebody that grew up in San uh, San Diego. I'm impressed. That's nice. South, That's South a lot San Diego. Of Tijuana, South Tijuana basically. I was a bullfighter, <laughs> Sean. How far south are you going to push me? <laughs> no, just to San Diego, just to the ritzy, the ritzy burbs down in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness! All right, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this uh, this new Big Ten. By the way, you got to take me to San Diego in these days so you can show me the real, authentic fish tacos that I've been missing my whole life. 
Well, actually, they started a little bit, a little bit further south of that little peninsula, peninsula called Baja. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Baja, yeah. Pulling the fish right out of the water, putting it on a tortilla, and you're good. All right. Speaking of that, uh, well, okay. Before we get to that, we're, we're your column was all in. about food, by the way. You tried to; it was a thinly veiled column about food, not really about. Well, no, I was football. just trying to get people to open up their minds about this Big Ten expansion, which we're going to get into in two seconds. We also, uh, after that, we're going to talk about the new the new Red Wings coach. What's his name? Steve Eiserman. Uh, what's his name? Derek Lalonde. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, from the that, French. That, that from the French, meaning no playoffs for a long time. Yeah, you think that he needs to show? I mean, you've already got him out running out of town. You've, you've you know, you, he's fired next year. So we'll we'll get into that, and then of course your favorite thing. But let's all right, let's dig into this idea of the Big Ten because that's what it really is. It's an idea, right? It's no longer geography. It, the big the Big Ten exists in the mind, and that, and that's changed a little bit. And you have lots to say as a Pac-12 guy. Pac-8. Pac-8. Yeah, you probably go back that far, right? Who grew up in uh, Los Angeles? Greater, Greater Los Angeles, the Southland. Greater call Los it the Angeles, Southland. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the Southland. That sounds nice. So, somebody that's from there, and now you've been in the Midwest for a good long while, at the Free Press, and maybe some other places I don't know about. Who knows Toledo? Where, where else? Where? <laughs> there, are, there are extradition laws I can't get into. So, yes. So what? So how about this? Let's just start with this. What do you think? Because you, I don't think you like it at all that USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. I'll tell you what I think, but. In order to tell you what I think, I have to suppress my urge to, you know, vomit in my mouth. So I, I hate this move, everything about it. It's all about money. It's all about greed. It's disgusting. It disgusts me. It's just, I mean, the way I've said it, Sean, and, and, and being in the Midwest and everything, you know, and your, your, your thousands, if not millions of readers probably just kowtow to you so that you respond to them. But the way you have to look at it, you know, is... Just imagine, flip it around. If if it were flipped around and the Pac-12 was the power conference, the, the bigger one that's swallowing up everybody, how would you like it if Michigan and Michigan State left the Big Ten to go to the Pac-12? You know, it would just it's it would just bother you to no end because they don't belong there. You know, it's all just about a power move. And it's all about the 800-pound gorillas that are the SEC and the Big Ten trying to become the one 1,600-pound gorilla that swallows everything eventually. So, you know, and, and monopolies are not good, Sean. I know you love monopolies probably. You like greed. You like, you know, you're, you're probably a big Elon Musk fan and everything. But, but you can't have that. You know, you have fewer choices. Once these kind of things start happening and they swallow up all the programs, and, the, and the, it's not going to stop with UCLA and US. They're going to be Notre Dame. It's going to be Oregon. They're going to, there's going to be a fight for all these teams. The SEC and the Big Ten are going to be fighting for, you know, getting bigger and getting, getting stronger, you know, more negotiating power for TV rights. Um, all these things. It's it's just not good. And it is about geography. And we can get into that in a minute. I don't want to go on too long, but it's definitely about geography. And it's about, you know, sensibility, regional, you know, uh, sensibilities and the ethos and the West Coast, you know, and you, you, I think you try to connect somehow saying New Jersey and LA have more in common than, I don't know what you said, uh, Boulder or something like that, or maybe Nebraska or whatever, you know, you know, you just can't, you can't go that way. I mean, as you know, in the, in the Midwest, you know, there's a sensibility to this, you know, the Penn States and the Michigans and the Minnesotas, and there's, there's, there's a commonality there and you're breaking that up, you know, and it's just, it's not good for the sport. How isn't it good? What does that? What mean? did I just say? It's, it's just like everything. None of it. You, you said nothing. You said a bunch it. of gib, a bunch of gibberish is what you just said. So you said nothing. Well, how is it not good for this? 
How is it not good for the sport? Monopoly, not good for the sport, not good for having uh, no longer, you know, I, nobody, not everybody makes Sean Windsor money. But if you want to get on a flight, let me, I looked this up, by the way, Sean, because I knew you would ask a dumb question like that. So let me, let me clarify this for, for you. Okay. So Colorado was in the, you know, BS new PAC 12, right? Okay. So they were one of the farthest schools from LA. So getting on a flight next month in a month from now, if you want to fly from LAX to Denver, $327. Uh, if you want to go to the new, if, if you want to go to Omaha, right. To go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Next month, from LAX to Omaha, $862. The flight alone is one thing, but also not being able to travel to games. I mean, in the Big Ten, you can drive. Fans can drive to Northwestern, and they can drive to Illinois, and they can drive to Columbus. And there's very few, there aren't that many. Now with the expansion with Rutgers, you really can't do that as much in Maryland. But for the most part, you know, while that regionalism still existed before the expansion really started, you could. And when it was a Pac-8, you could still travel by car to a lot of games. That's taken that away from fans, that experience of being able to watch, you know, get to games at a reasonable price. So that's that's one economic reality. Yeah, what's the fl- what's the flight from USC? That's okay since LAX is not that far from there. What's the flight from there to Corvallis for Oregon State? What's that flight? It's probably not that much because I looked up the one. It's that, probably 800 bucks. No, I looked up the one. Seattle is actually the farthest from LA. Yeah, but that's a big hub to hub. You picked a small, you picked Omaha. What is it from LAX to Omaha's Chicago? not that like small of a hub. Um, I don't know. I've flown in and out of Omaha how you know, many times. Um, I've got family there too, you know, so that's part of it. But but seriously, dude, that's not a, a – I love Omaha, but it's not that big a town. So do the parallel. Fly from L.A. to Chicago. But anyway, I can't believe we're talking about all this. How You're talking about a small percentage of fans that do that. The, the, the games are for the home games. The people that can afford to travel are – you know, it's a smaller percentage, right? So that's what we're worried about is road trips. People like to travel. They like the ability to travel. When your team's doing they well, do. they're, they're going to travel. You know, when I was at the Rose Bowl – uh, when Stanford played, and Stanford from the Rose Bowl is I don't I don't know what is that uh, six a uh, seven eight hour drive or whatever it no, is, and like I'm sure hours. the flight's not too four hours. What's that? It's four hours. I've made that drive. It's not four to hours. Stanford. I mean, it's four hours. It's five hours to San to San Francisco. Yeah, I don't. Well, it's well, basically San we Jose. It's four hours. I don't know how slow you drive, Grandma, but it's it's four hours. It's no, it's your. By the way, like it's the same LA, distance from Ann Arbor to Chicago. LA to Portland, not, Oregon, three hundred eighteen dollars. Okay. What about to Corvallis? You can't fly to Corvallis. There's nothing there. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. What What about to uh, Pullman? Where Washington Seattle. State is. You, you go to Seattle no, and you, you drive a little then bit. Then you got to drive across the yeah. state. No, you'd probably what fly. Are you, what are you, halo Wanda. dropping into Corvallis? And the, no. You, no, you can fly into Pullman. My brother uh, did, a, did a vet stint there. By the way, he takes care of pets and animals out in, um, you know, up in Oakland County. You can, uh, you can, uh, he, t- he takes care of half the free press. It's funny. He probably didn't want me to say that. I think he's, he's Doctor Sleep. Right. What do they call? What is Elric? Yeah, uh, Doctor Death. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Oh, he's going to kill me. I can't believe this. In any case, no, Pullman or Spokane. You know, right? You got to do the equivalent, but that's beside the point. So you're talking about uh, uh, look. People will travel if they want to travel. You, I assume you've been to the Rose Bowl. I've been to the Rose Bowl a few times. I was out there for Michigan State, Stanford. And there were more Michigan State fans there, right? They found a way to get out there. Now I know that you're just once. making my point. Yes, they're going to travel. Yeah, they are exactly yeah. from East Lansing. When a team is good, when they're when they're winning, your favorite thing when teams are winning and there's more excitement, people are going to travel. But you're taking that option more off the table 
the way you the way that conferences for a are few spreading. more people the games are for home you know alums and right you the home games mostly mostly but they're, they're for home home fans mostly exactly and and people that watch on television right and that's the other problem with television and that, i'll give you a good example here i looked this up too right just uh richard deitch used to write for the did media stuff for uh new york times for a long time and i think he's i think he did new york times but he's with the athletic now they had a really good story about basically the, the the Big Ten and the expansion of you know the the power conferences right the big ones the the two the SEC and the Big Ten and he said he talked to, he wrote a story he he referenced something that Louisiana State's chancellor said in 2011 when he's talking to the Knight Commission about the future of college sports and he said I th- he, this is a quote from the chancellor he said I think we could ultimately end up with two enormous conferences one called ESPN and one called Fox. And he's right. That's what it has become. And it's only going to become that more as we steer away from network television and we go all to these streaming services. And it's it's going to become, if you end up having these probably two major big conferences, you know, with like four divisions in each conference or something like that, it's going to be pretty soon. Oh, you want to watch Michigan, Ohio State? That's $39.99 this week, by the way. So it's going to be this a la carte premium tier stuff. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're going to head to when you have a monopoly like that. When you have fewer voices controlling the bigger games and all the games, you know, that's why I don't like where this is headed. And I, I'll bet you right now there are, if not already, there have been probably for years, all these, you know, TV executives wondering how they could do this. I mean, you've seen it with UFC. You've seen it with all kinds of other sports, this like this premium tier stuff. Pretty soon, probably we're going to, I don't know if we see it now with um, March Madness, but if we get away from that as well. You know, I don't know how long that contract is running with CBS, but they're already they already have their streaming service with Paramount Plus. So that has nothing to do with the realignment of anything. Nothing. It does. That would that, more power. That has nothing to do with it. the NFL has thirty teams or thirty two teams, right? Right. And they're not doing it. And if they do do it, it's not even because of geography. NFL I mean, Sunday ticket. If they can get thirty nine bucks for uh, you know Tom Brady going back to New England or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, there are streaming like with the NBA. You have League Pass; you can watch all the games, and it's well. Look at Bally Sports. Look at what they do with the Tigers. Eighty bucks. Think about that. Bally Sports right now. Yeah, for sure. Own. That's well, they're going to be all part. All these cable all, companies are going to be out of business in five years, probably, and then it's all going to be streaming. All part of it. You know what? Let's go back to the nineteen fifties or nineteen sixties when televisions cost a mortgage payment or more. Well, you know, or more. Right when very few people had them. Because they were so expensive, but that's how you get to watch college games because only the, they were only accessible then. It's always been this way. The realignment in the geography has nothing to do with any of this. Whatever the streaming costs are going to become, however that's going to shake out, that's that's got to do with the business model and how much people they can charge based on how popular their games are. That's all that is, and it's been that way since the start of television. What is different now? Seriously, what's different? What's different now is there's more money at stake, you know, and they're going to pull in. It's just a percentage. Well, they're, going to, bit, bit, they're going to be going after the bigger markets, right? So there's LA's more the money because media market. How, when we say more money, I mean, what are we talking about uh, after inflation? What are we really talking about? Gas is five bucks a gallon right now. And back with your, your purity, innocent era of college football, gas was 75 cents a gallon, whatever. So how, what are we talking about in real dollars? What are we talking about that's real? That's not an I, emotional identity i want my uh teams in snow and i don't want them playing in teams that there's palm trees and sun all day what are we talking about that's real that's not emotional 
what's real and emotional is that you've had this regional connection to your teams. And as much as if you, How's that gonna if change? you because UCLA and, and USC are not going to be playing Stanford anymore. They're not going to be playing in you know, all the different. So sports. you're telling me people in LA give, <gasps> excuse me. Sorry. Oh, Angela. Angela, that's not oh, all right. You're going to have to beep that. Up. So you're telling me people in LA care that much about Stanford or Oregon state. That's what you're saying. Because they, do. they don't hear people don't care hear about Northwestern and Ann Arbor unless they lose to them, they might be irritated for a minute. It's not the same. They care about Ohio State and Michigan State, no, and sometimes Penn State. That's how it works. You have to, and that's not going to change. You have to remember that also, even though we're talking about the two big sports, right, college football and, and basketball. There's all these other sports. There's there's baseball, and in the West Coast, you know, volleyball is big, and there's there's a lot of other things, softball. Um, different things. There's all kinds of different rivalries. I mean, like USC for a long time, you know, they and UCLA had a pretty good rivalry with Stanford and baseball. Calcy Fullerton has a rivalry with Stanford. They're not in the same conference, but losing those conference showdowns, you know, that's going to be something that you're going to lose. Call, golf is big out there too. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of sports that are going to be affected. It's not just the two, you know, the, uh, the, revenue generating sports it's a lot of kids a lot of sports a lot of sports fans are being affected by this i don't know about sports fans being affected by this yeah. i don't know how many people are watching golf you can't tell michigan doesn't have a softball following i mean that's a huge sport for michigan and how is that going to change they probably love to play some of the teams i bet if you're playing golf at michigan state and you got a chance to play um a program that's in the warm weather because the, the, the best programs tend to be in warmer weather for that sport right or Swimming, although I know Michigan's had great swimming teams in the past, but I would think you'd want to go play where the best competition is. That's the that's that's to me what's really going on here. If it will help out and spread the wealth, because right now for the last ten years we've had Alabama, we Clemson, although they're down a touch right now, Ohio State, right now Georgia, we've had LSU. I mean, you got five, six teams. You know, Oklahoma a little bit. That's it. So if you if you can make a couple of huge super conferences and the recruiting gets spread out just a little bit. It, to me, it'd be a lot more democratic, small D democratic, right? It just, it's just the, 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 the competition, it'd be better. There's it's what, how many division one schools do we have? I, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my hundred and something I'm talking about in football or whatever. Most of those teams have no shot outside of the, right now. There are five right. or six teams, you know, Michigan got to the playoff last year and as much talent as they had and as good a season as they had, they were overmatched by these top, that, that two or three, four, five top tier level team. It's just, there's no other sport like it. And if we accept that college football is entertainment, which it is, that's what, that's why there's money involved, right? We've we got to pay for it a little bit. And don't we want better competition and don't we want more people to have a chance you know, maybe we're going to just acknowledge that Eastern Michigan, no offense, you know, I love Eastern Michigan, isn't part of this. And that's okay. About Cincinnati. Five team, yeah, okay, fine. Cincinnati can still sneak in or whatever. But I'd, I think most college football fans would rather have, you say, 20 and 20 super conferences. And who knows, maybe it gets a little bit more, maybe 30 teams. So it's along the lines of a professional league. And then you got minor league systems out there. And you still get scholarships. These people still get, the, these kids still get to come and get a chance to get their tuition paid for and have the competition. And, and then that's great. You're saying there's about 120 Division One programs and you're going to have two super conferences of 30 teams each, which is going to say basically there's half of your full, your Division one college football programs are never going to matter. There's never going to be a prayer if you're not. They don't matter now. 
Tell that to Cincinnati. In terms of Cincinnati's not part of that. In terms of college football playoffs or winning a title, right? They don't matter now. They don't. They, they you know, right? They have a chance to matter. You know how how long are we going to have this ruse of Alabama playing Jacksonville State? It's not right. It's it's like having a five A. We talked about this. It's like having a five A school play a one A school. If anything, it's ridiculous. if anything, there should be the SEC should have been broken up. It shouldn't be getting bigger. You know, that's the problem, really. And the Big Ten probably should have gotten smaller. Some of these con- these conferences have gotten too big. You know, I mean, that's I agree but with in you. What, but in what way? What is that? How has that changed the game day experience? How does that change the way when you turn on Saturday if you're a college football fan and the games you want to see? It college doesn't. football fans have been complaining for 30 years that they want to see Penn State play Oklahoma and that, or they want to see, uh, I don't know, Georgia play UCLA. I mean, LSU was out there. That happened uh, last year, right? They were out yeah. at, uh, and played UCLA. Yeah. That happened so infrequently. Yeah. College football fans have been pining for these kind of matchups. Yeah, if the, they're going to get them. If the athletic directors could grow a pair, they would schedule non-conference games against each other, but they don't. They want cupcakes at the beginning of the season. They don't want to hurt their, their power rankings or whatever, and then they want to go it's not just as undefeated the power as rank- they can throughout the season. It's the power rankings, and they want a certain amount of home games, right? Because they want the revenue. Right. And that's been true all along. It's always been about money. Right. It's been about money since not that long that after doesn't the make game it right. Why? What? What's wrong with it? Because you have I mean, look greed. If you greed accept the model, everything. It's not greed. How is it any different than any other professional league expanding? How is that different? It's not a professional because it's not a professional league. It shouldn't. But be it a professional is a professional league. league. It's hypocritical to think otherwise. All this does is acknowledge that this has long been a business, and it and it's been that way for sixty years. We've just pretended it hasn't been, and that's what I like about it. We're just like accepting what this really is right now and what it represents. It feels like you're you're saying that there's a big boulder coming down the hill and it's going to crush us. So let's just accept it because it's just that's I'm just not saying that at all. I'm saying Forget let's it. open the curtain up. Let's just pull the curtain up and accept. We do this in America all the time. We we tell ourselves stories that are fuzzy and that don't accept. Right? We're we've got a we've got not that I want to get political here right now, but we've got battles going on in state house legislatures all over the country about how we're going to describe the beginning of our country. Right? I mean, it's and, and it's 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 college football is part of that. We do that in this country all the time. We want to tell ourselves how something was. We had a president, the president before this, whose whole campaign when he ran in 2016 was Make America Great Again, which was a story about a time it was telling his the, his his um, his followers and potential voters, I want to take us back to a time that you may have in your mind, but it wasn't really real. And it was a very effective, more power to him for doing that. Whatever. I'm not making a judgment one way or the other. Is it when he was ripping but off that's what, was he ripping off Reagan or the 50s? We're, yeah, right. But we're, what are we going back to? This is the problem with college football with some of these folks who like to think of, I mean, what did you tell me the other day when we were talking? I want my innocence. I want my purity. It hadn't been like that in forever. What are we I was protecting? kidding about that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, long but gone. you're not, com- but you're not completely, you're being a romantic about it. Right. I'm anyway, not being a romantic. You, no, I just don't. You, I just, you, it to me, are. it to me. And, and the problem with it too, is that it's all about college football. And there are so many other sports that are being played at these schools, you know, and including college basketball. And on another because level, because of college football and basketball, right? I mean, they, they, yeah, sports. they I mean, they, 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 it's the tail wagging the dog, you know, I mean, that's, and that's, 
that the other part of it too is the regionalism is that we're not going to be able to uh, the attention they're not going to like and i don't want to cry about sports fighters but there's something connected to we're not going to be able to cover these games the same way there's not going to get the same amount of attention there's not going to be i mean we're not going to be flying out to to ucla to cover uh, whatever it is you know the basketball game or something like well it's kind of a big game well the budget's kind of tight i don't know if we can send a, you know one person or we'll take wires or we'll take two one person instead of two and all these different things that, that are if it's a big enough game we'll cover it right? well, we yeah I mean, maybe not i mean you know what well, michigan state or michigan or one of the two is playing i can't remember this is terrible it's playing washington to start of the season right i think it's michigan state and um and we'll cover it I mean, we get to that point. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's just that's just part of it that makes it a. I think part of it makes it a poorer experience when you can't when you're spreading things out so far. There's just some of the logistical and economic realities that kind of change how things are 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 covered, how they're perceived, how they're whatever it is. You know, um, I just don't like it. It's just they don't they don't belong together. Yeah, they they they've always been together though, and to me, it's just a matter of uh, hey, let's let's just be real about what has always been going on, and let's just accept this. And you walk into the stadium and you enjoy the game, and you know what it is, and you're not pretending it's something else. Because if we really wanted to do that, it's like my next door neighbors are from from uh, Amsterdam. They don't understand college and athletics being combined at all. It's confusing to them. It doesn't make sense to them. So we could say, let's just have club sports on campuses. So we give young, young, you know, kids, young adults, uh, something to do and some competition or whatever, and then, and call it a day, but we're not going to do that. We have a unique model and it's high time that we started um, accepting and discussing what this model really is and what it's always been about. In any case, I want want a European to weigh in on this. And also do they wonder why we hate soccer? No, no, I, I don't think we all hate soccer. By the way, I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually on a, another podcast. Uh, Mark Fillmore produces the Soul of Detroit, uh, the, you know, ML Elric, who's our terrific investigative columnist. The uh, Fellhauer was, was said, look, he'd like to see a, a model where we get 30, you know, 40, 50 teams in college football and we do relegation. So Cincinnati has a great has, <laughs> Cincinnati makes a run, then they're in, right? And if you struggle for a while, if Northwestern, then you're out. I would th- I think that's awesome. Uh, that that would be great. And then you got to play for it. And, and in any case, look, we yeah. could go on and on about this, Carlos. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, it's, I, I think we should be careful about that because some of the, you know, Michigan State might have uh, been relegated to Division Three by now uh, during some of the dry years. So, oh, OK, OK. If that's your last word, that's your last word. That's what you're going to say. That's it. That's it. And I know this is all about you wanting to go to L.A. and go to. I've been out there. I don't need to go to Pinks ever about. again. I, you're telling people. I don't need to go to Pinks. I don't need. I, I of course, I love L.A., but I don't need to go out to L.A. Real, real L.A. people eat. Dude, I'm going to go get a deer. I'm going to go know get that. a deer-born natural casing hot dog and put uh, put whatever I want on it. And it'll be just as good as Pink's. So how about that? OK. Yeah. All right. All on right. that note, Carlos, let's take a break and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos. And uh, I don't know, maybe me. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, 
freak beat writer Chris Lowry, and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game on the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I would say Sean won Carlos nothing if we're keeping tabs. Who's scoring this? Who's scoring this? If this is yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, did you did you have any quick before we get into the hockey coach? Um, and we can talk about how we're pronouncing his name. Uh, can you? <laughs> I mean, not that it's our decision. Can you? Do you have any? Do you have any last uh, quick thoughts? Did was there something? It sounded like there was one other thing you wanted to say. Yeah. No, I, I, the only thing I want to say is that I want to make sure I have tabs on going to the, you know, USC, UCLA game, whatever. And you you stay home and cover, uh, you know, you cover, uh, I don't know, Rutgers or Maryland or something like that. Oh, you mean when uh, Michigan's out there, Michigan State's out yeah. there and the other ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Rutgers is great, man. It's right next to New York City. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, I like Maryland well, too because D.C. is awesome. <laughs> I haven't been to College Park, but I've been to Baltimore. And I would I don't know if I could. I don't know if I need to go back. Oh, really? You're just you're just gonna, Andrew? Did you hear that? Uh, you're not. You're giving a thumbs up. He's just gonna wipe a whole city off like that. I watched. I watched the wire, and everything came true about that when I was in Baltimore. Oh my God! You're getting into a complicated topic. Okay. <laughs> you see, All you right. asked me for my last thought. It's your fault. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to talk about how, how wrong and the greed and all that. You, by the way, you're aligned with our buddy Ben Schmidt, former former Freep uh, journalist, a heck of a great reporter, covered cops for a long time. Um, he works, he's an editor at, at, uh, in Pittsburgh now. In any case, he's been badgering me on social media saying it's that I support <laughs> greed, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, kn- you know me. You know me. Yeah, that that's. That's what weird. this is all Socialist about. Socialist Sean Windsor is like totally for agreed. Exactly. I, I, I want the teams that I want more teams to have a, a shot and I want a little bit more spread out competition and then yeah. separate. And then when the out, teams, the, know, when the teams and, don't and measure up, you send them out to the gulag. So yeah, you're. Yeah. yeah. Oh, relegation. That does make for great television. It makes for great stories. You know, a whole, a whole community getting behind an, behind an organization, not to win. I mean, yes, to win, but to, to make it back up to a certain level. You know what I mean? You want this to be Ted Lasso is what you're saying. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, it's too bad. You don't have a little more Ted Lasso in you. <laughs> be a little I more, grow the mustache. Be a little more positive. I'm, I'm a, I think I'm more like a Roy Kent figure more than a Ted Lasso. You think so? Absolutely. So you were, you're a great, you were once great and now you're trying to accept your decline. I'm just and, always angry. That's why. Oh, uh, I thought, Okay. And I have a smoldering uh, sexuality to me too. That's do you? This, I, I th- that's that's the secret of Ted Lasso, by the way. Every woman loves Roy Kent. That's why they watch because show. He, of all the f bombs. I think uh, I, I think I would say more sensuality. You know, I mean, you're you're, you're you're very handsome 
for sure. Thank you. Not that yeah. it's not that it's for me to judge. I mean, you know how this is a safe space. We're, <laughs> we're not we're not judging here. I think Andrew has his uh, face in his palm. Anjana has just called him. She said, "Cancel everything." <laughs> That's it. We're changing. We're changing. We're going to be country music next week. All right. We're all right. Changing we're, formats. We're losing folks. I, I shouldn't say we. That's not fair to you. I'm losing focus here. We're losing steam. We're losing momentum. Let's let's pick this back up. What do you think of the new hockey coach? And and uh, are you ready to fire him because he's not going to have the playoffs next year if he doesn't? Well, I was surprised actually that we both showed up at the press conference. And I I assume that you thought you were going to a Pistons press conference because they play at Little Caesars Arena as well. Uh, so I think you were trying to figure out how to weasel your way out of the presser, but, um, you decided to just, you know, pretend you meant to be there and stayed for the whole thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's totally likable. He's a, he's a good dude. He connects with his players. That's been his reputation. He's easy to like, um, he's fun. He's self-deprecating. He's been successful. The, the, the one thing I really liked, my favorite thing that he talked about, um, and I read about this, you know, doing some research about him even before the press conference was that he he stayed he, he's 49 years old. He's about to be 50 in I think in August or so. And and it's a little bit old to get your first, you know, head coaching job in the NHL. But with him, it was more about I don't want to move up to the next level. It's not always just about getting to the next level. It's about being prepared to get to the next level. Um, it's not just been this, you know, chase for him to, uh, to get to the certain place. It's like, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing before I move on. And I think that's really commendable, you know, these days is, is that he's not driven just by that, you know, need to be a coach and have that title, whatever, like he's, he stayed, he probably has stayed in some positions too long. And in fact, one, one time, one of his, it was his first chance to be a head coach, back in whatever the, one of the minor league, you know, um, uh, positions he was in, he was in, a, Oh, no, he was at, he was at university of Denver. There was a job opening and John Cooper had left that job and he told him he should, he was ready. He should take it. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to, he didn't think he was ready. And he got scolded by Cooper. Basically he said, you need, you're ready. You got to think about your career and your future. These are not, this is an opportunity you should take. And he didn't, but he took it the next year. And, um, you know, that's that's part of it with him that I thought was really good is that he's not about just just the results. You know, he's about the process for himself and for his players. Um, so I, I really like that. He was uh, he was an interesting, you know, thoughtful guy. Um, and uh, we talked to him a little bit after after the press conference and, you know, chatted with him informally and seemed pretty likable. So what did you think? Uh, a lot of the same things I, I like, I, you know, I always admire and, and like um, and respect when folks have, have grinded up kind of, so to speak. I like the way he talked about what he learned as a college coach, right? Because it's a little bit different. You have to recruit and you're going in and you got to make, you got to sell yourself in a way you just don't at the pro level. I mean, obviously you have to have some respect and command of the room at the pro level clearly, but I, I like the way he talked about what he learned. I like that he took his time. I like that he, he talked about, as you said, it was never about the NHL. You know, he was just trying to be where he was. It's, it's, it's something we tell our kids. It's, 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 just, it's just hard a thing. To me, the two hardest things in life to learn about yourself are, are to do or is to be comfortable with yourself, right? Be comfortable in your own skin. That's really, really difficult. For some, maybe it's easy. You, you, you come out and you're just chill and you're like, you don't care. It's such that you don't care, but you just don't care what other people think. And that's a gift. And so I'm going to have that gift. But yeah, be comfortable in your own skin. And the other thing is, is be comfortable where you are. Be where you are. Not always looking back, thinking about what you didn't do or did 
or should have done differently or, or looking ahead about where you, you need to get to. It's hard to do that, right, Carlos? It's hard to say, to look around and say, I'm okay right here for now, you know, at least. It's the thing about it that's interesting is like the thing I said about John Cooper basically prodding him to move forward is we've all had that. I've had friends, you know, um, who I thought, why are you still in this position? Why are you still doing this? You're way too talented. You know, look who's look who you're getting passed over for sometimes in some positions. You know, you need to think about that. And where's your other hand? Where's your left hand? Where's my left? I mean, I know the listeners can't see it. Is it patting itself on your back? Is it you patting yourself on your back? I'm giving there? myself a nice. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, a nice, a nice okay. Well, I will. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve a hug. You deserve a hug. But it's true, right? I mean, it's it's a fine balance of being present, being comfortable where you are, you know, not, not your grasp is not, you know, uh, extending past your reach, all this different stuff, you know, not being too ambitious sometimes because there's some people who that's all they are. They're just driven by ambition constantly. And uh, let me show you what I can do. Let me check that box. Let me move forward. You know, let me go fast, fast, fast as soon as I can, you know, get to the next job. But it's a tough balance. Um, maybe with him, it's been a little slower than it probably should have been, but um, but he's definitely qualified for this job. And, and I think the thing we talked about, the thing he mentioned with being a college coach was he said he learned to understand that this was a partnership, that it was a trust between the parents, like I'm going to have your kid for four years and also trust with the kid. And he learned from that, that kind of mutual respect. Hey, you're trusting me to trust your, tr- I'm, you're putting your trust in me to deal, to, to handle your kid, to guide them. And then when he got to the pro level and certainly in the NHL as an assistant coach, he understood it's more of a partnership that it's, you can't just tell they're not kids. You can't just tell them what to do. They have to trust you in a different way. Um, and that's what he's learned about that. And, and you know what, let's not forget that this is not Blaschel's problem, by the way, he connected just fine with his players. They, they liked him, they got along. Um, but it, you never know what the right chemistry is between a coach and his team. And maybe sometimes you're in a position too long and they stop listening to you or you're not at your message isn't as effective as it once was. It happens to every coach um, probably, but uh, it's a different, it's going to be a different voice and, you know, we'll see the, the kind of staff he puts together, how he cleans up the defense, how he cleans up the, the penalty kill. Um, you know, it's a lot of moving parts, um, you know, and it's going to take some time to get it where he wants to go. But my point about the playoffs was that this was this had this team had the the makings of a team with playoff potential last year. And I don't think you need to scuttle the whole thing, you know, and I don't think they are going to. It's not going to be a teardown and a rebuild. They're already well into that process. There's, you know, draft picks coming along. There's young players. Um, they have some veterans on there. Um, there. There's not a there's no reason why this team can't be competitive enough to be in that playoff conversation you know, next season. Well, I would think so, especially if the young guys keep taking a step, but maybe they were playing over their head a little bit last year too. I, you know, it's, you're right. It's a, it's a very fine, it's hard. It's, it's a guess. It's like figuring out economics, you know, it's, there's some, there's a little bit of science to it, but there's a whole lot of just, you know, trying to, uh, you know, throw something and see if it, and if it sticks, especially when it comes to human relations, and, you know, their parameters and their guidelines and you can say, okay, this kind of personality maybe doesn't go or does go with this. And that's fine. And you're right about Blaschel, but we could see it in the press conference and just kind of talk to him casually up to the side. There's a little bit of sparkle to him, right? Yeah, there, uh, there is, you know, and people talk about how he looked and all that. And I, I don't really love all that. Although he did joke about 
the uh, playing uh, Uncle Fe- or dressing up as Uncle Fester on Halloween in a Halloween costume. But but he's got you. Well, that's going to be his nickname, Uncle Fester, for sure. That's that they already called him that. And he's he, he's got a really nice disarming kind of self deprecating way for sure. Oh yeah. But but along with that, there's a there's a touch of you know confidence that kind of comes through with him, right? You just, just the way he kind of carried himself. But it's and it's real easy, and you know I think I think Eiserman is, is Steve Eiserman is betting that that um, a little bit of that will will connect and and get a little bit more consistency, a little bit more of a competitive edge, more consistently perhaps because a good a good coach that connects in that way that's what we're really talking about. I mean, obviously a great coach in any sport can can zero in individually and figure. People, you know, Jim Leland used to talk about all the time, you know, all right, you got to have the talent, but once you have the talent, it's all about relationships. It's you, you got to figure out, okay, this person's struggling. Yeah. Maybe their, their swing or whatever is not there, but it also, this might be something else in their head. That's not so obvious. And you gotta, you gotta figure out when to go in and when to, to, to try to figure that out and when not to. And I get the sense that he's probably got that ability or similar ability. I'm not saying he's Jim Leland. But um, the way he's won everywhere, right? Everywhere he's won. I know it's different at the NHL level, and the and the way people sort of speak about him, and the, you know, just and then the combination of what we saw and just kind of casually, he'll have that chance. We'll see. I think I, I understand why Steve uh, Eiserman wanted to do it. This you know wanted somebody like this, you know, as as opposed to an authority, a total authoritarian. Not that he's going to hold these. Uh, not that he's not going to hold these guys accountability. He talked a lot about accountability and f- filling, squeezing the gap or shrinking the gaps on the ice. And you could tell he's he's not super conservative, but he wants he wants to be more efficient with the puck and take chances when they're there. So it's not going to be up and down the ice all the time, right? Right. It's going to be they want to be hard to play against. You know, they yeah. want to be a tighter checking team. If you yeah. see that, I know you didn't watch any of the NHL playoffs after your precious uh, Connor McDavid was eliminated. But oh no, I but checked if you watch the Avalanche. Yeah. Yeah, and if you watch those teams, you know the even the going back to the Vegas Knights a few years ago and all this, you know they're just this they're they're this swarming, unrelenting, you know, and that's the difference in the playoffs is, you know, in the you don't see it quite as much in the regular season when the, when the playoffs come, the game tightens up and you need to be hard to play against. You need to have tight, tough, you know, and and, and he mentioned it right. Lalonde mentioned it, you know, like Tampa saw it when they played the Wings a few times over the last few years is there would be that spark from the Red Wings here and there being hard to play against. And they had it some nights. They just didn't have it consistently. And obviously we haven't seen it in the playoffs because they haven't been there for a while. But what kind of team will they be when they get there? You know, the question for me is with Iserman is, is, you know, like you you have to think that if there's one guy he's going to know a lot about, it's going to be this guy because he was in the Lightning system um, you know, he has a lot of friends still in the lightning system. He's good friends with Jeff Blaschel. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a small group to begin with a small, you know, whatever cohort in the NHL, but he should know a lot about him. And when, when he was the GM in Tampa, he hired the wrong guy at the, you know, the first time he hired a coach and Guy Boucher he hired the wrong guy. It didn't work out. He had to fire him and then hire John Cooper, which was, you know, a grand slam. But now this is his, I don't know if you, you know, he kept Blaschel, but this is essentially his third hire. So he should know what he's doing by now. You know, this is as close as he's going to get. I don't know that. I mean, maybe, you know, who did he, uh, um, 
you know, there were other rumors about other other players that he might have won. What was the guy the from the Islanders? His his old uh, his old roommate um, with the Red Wings that people tied him to at the beginning. Yeah, his name escapes me right now, yeah. but. But that was a, everybody thought, you know, okay, they're they're good buddies, whatever. Who knows what the reality is behind why it didn't happen there? But um, but this guy seems like he could be the right fit. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to see that until they're actually on the ice and he's got his assistance in place and and how it all works together. Yeah, and then they both preach patience and um, right, rightly so. I think they learned from enough that they, maybe it's just Steve Eisenman. They all nature. preach patience. That's the problem. Maybe every Steve, coach maybe comes that's... into Detroit. Maybe that's oh, Steve Eisenman's oh. nature. He's reticent, but but the you know look the, the there was an owner sitting over there next to you know Lalande, right? He was flanked. He was at Eisenman on one side and uh, Chris Illich on the other, who listened to his general manager for the other team he owns, Al Avila uh, 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 for the Tigers, along with AJ Hinch, openly talk about trying to make the playoffs this year in spring training. So I think um, you know that sets up a certain level of expectation, which then increases the bitterness, when the resentment, and unhappiness when when those uh, expectations aren't met. So I don't, I don't think they wanted to make that mistake. I don't think Eisenman would do that anyway. It's just his nature. But that wasn't a mistake, though. That was that was something that you need to do because fans don't want to hear this, and I don't think they I, they're not as mad about the Red Wings because it's you know it's a first time coach and it's a new coach, whatever. But going into seeing what the Tigers did last year, adding the pieces they did having Hinch who has won, you know, at a high level, won a world series, you know, this was the time. I mean, they were not wrong to talk about, we need to be pushing for the playoffs. That's our goal this year. Um, and even Hinch has this, you know, Hinch doesn't commit to anything because like, yeah, of course the playoffs are the you know, goal every year for any team, but, um, but it was, it's important to actually put your name on it and say, we're ready. I don't know that the, I'm not saying the Red Wings are ready to make the playoffs, but they're good enough right now to be in that conversation and not say, Oh, this is going to be a process for who knows how many years and how many, I mean, it's been, they've missed the playoffs for six straight years. I mean, how much longer do you expect people to wait? Well, sometimes people have to wait a long, long time, right? It's just people understand the nature of sports. And then I don't know, have a Red Wing fan, talk to a Lion fan. They're probably, a lot of them are probably the same people. So maybe have the the Red Wing fan and one, you know, and somebody talk to the other half of their (laughs) own person. They're the same guy, by yeah, the way. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, in any case. Well, listen, any, any final thoughts before we uh, take one last quick break here? I want to see what a Red Wings game this year, by the way. I'll be there. I was there last year. Okay. Were you? Yeah, I was. Okay. Zoom or in no, person? No, I was there in person. I was there in a couple of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll be, I'll All right. Be, Maybe I'll see you at a Yeah, yeah. I'll be there probably at a few more. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be nice to see. It's always nice to see you in public. All right, man, let's uh, let's wrap this up and take a uh, one last quick break here, and we'll come back with our favorite thing. And, um, you know, Carlos will regale, his, regale us with his worldliness. I always look forward to this. Right back uh, with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. My name is Kerry Jr. The Second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. 
We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's that time of the uh, show again. Your favorite time where you try to steal my my favorite favorite things, so. Yeah, I do. I do. So what's your favorite thing this week, my man? My favorite thing is kind of a, it's a little bit belated in a way, I guess, um, because we're already in July, but. Yeah, way to hype it up. Yeah, well, it just, it caught me by surprise, actually. Um, And uh, so, as you know, my kids graduated from high school and we just got their final report card for the semester. And so one of my kids they both did well, but one of my kids did really well for the, for the year, um, in all our classes. And, you know, and it's not about, this is not a humble brag or anything, but the thing that it made me think about, we, I've talked to my wife about it. Any parent who's had a kid in college or in high school, any grade level, but especially high school and college, when, when things really matter, when they determine your, you know, your future and your, access to different things that you're going to do. Um, any kid who and parent who went through this during the pandemic, they understand what a challenge it was, you know, just to, just to get through the year, you know, when you were going virtual, when you were having hybrid classes, recovering from that, pivoting back to in-person learning. And I just wanted to say just a salute to all the kids who went through all this, all the parents, and especially the teachers. One of the teachers told us, uh, the kids had uh, the same the same Spanish teacher, and she was fabulous. And we were doing a video conference with her during these parent-teacher conferences. And she says, you know, the kids, during the virtual part of it, when they were uh, learning virtually, it's like the kids don't turn on their cameras. And she said it was like teaching inside of a coffin. And it that's the kind of challenge I think a lot of educators went through. So to all the kids, all the graduates, to all the kids who have gone through it and are still going through it, recovering from all that time and are finding their way to do their best and succeeding, you know, you have my, you have my appreciation and my respect and I wish you the very best. Oh, that's really nice, Carlos. Did you fall asleep? Did you listen to any of that? I did. Listen you, to every, I it just, looks like you were listening to a different podcast with the, no, I was just shocked. I was sort of not shocked. You're shocked. Just how about this? <laughs> No, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, I just, I'm not used to hearing you. So, you know, I don't nobody know. can see this except me and Andrew, but Sean started off at the top of the screen. He's leaning in some kind of like uh, fancy couch or whatever that some like Sultan, some Sultan would own this in Dubai. And he has shrunk and now couch. we can barely see like his nose. He's like slipping further down the couch as we, as the podcast has gone on. So you're still awake for a few more minutes, yeah. right? Gravity's not your friend when you uh, are built like I am. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just just listening to you, thinking I can't believe this is Carlos, but that's really lovely. I know you like to. You don't know, really no, you nice. got to pigeonhole me and, and paint me, put me in a box. I, I'm I like not pigeonhole it. you. I I defend you all the time. I mean, your your no. readers, your readers pigeonhole you. You're like, oh, they saw the headline. Of course they did. It was Carlos? <laughs> no, they. Uh, I'm not. I'm trying to to get you out oh. of that. I'm trying to def- defend you. No, that was actually that was really nice. Thank you. My favorite thing is uh, short and, and sweet. I. I was out. I got invited out to a lake 
you know, a little lake out west of uh, Ann Arbor, out west of Pinckney, or kind of out near Pinckney. You know where Pinckney, Michigan is? It's west of Ann Arbor. And north, north and west a little bit. But anyway, I got invited to do a lake over the holiday weekend and um, I swam in just the most beautiful little spot. No, no property on it, really. A bunch of cattails and kind of reedy, swampy on the edge of it, but just a still, it's a no wake lake, right? So you just, you go out on a little pontoon and you drop anchor and you just swim. And, um, I, I love lake swimming. I love swimming in general, but, uh, that was great. It was hot. Hadn't done that this summer. And that was my favorite thing. Just the, the cooling off of the water, Carlos, and just floating, just relaxing for a bit, thinking about, uh, that it's several days before I have to record with Carlos again, Carlos again. So that was nice. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That was, um, that was it. That was nice and simple. Wait a minute. Sometimes it's just simple stuff. Are you ripping off Huckleberry Finn? No. It sounds like you kind of are. No. no, Huckleberry Finn got canceled anyway, right? He did. Mark Twain got canceled. Mark Twain. I mean, Andrew's nodding his head yes. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> Let me ask you. I have. A, he's, he's like, what? The most important question on the swimming is swim shirt or no swim shirt? Please. Swim shirt. Why, why would I wear a oh swim my God, shirt? God, you went bare chested. Okay. Yeah. No kids were around, hopefully, to see that. No, it's all it's all right. I mean, I'm not that heavy. You just said gravity is yeah. not your friend. Yeah, be, as as you lose strength and your spine compresses and all that sort of stuff, you know, just kind of aging. Yeah. Good. That sounds that does yeah, sound no, it's a, yes. I, the time on yeah, a boat. Just, you know, the best thing about a boat is when it's not yours and you just gotta hang out on it. You don't have to clean it and do all the it stuff. is. And normally on this pontoon in the summer, I get asked out there a few times a summer. I uh I actually bought a little grill for the boat for the pontoon for my you friends. can burn it down and, yeah like, and and normally i go out to the spot with them and i cook i mean i swim a little bit and then i cook i mean you know i take out and, and cook somewhat elaborately it's really fun just right there on the pontoon i've uh done all sorts of stuff on this little grill but anyway this time it was just swimming so it was nice by the way one one quick one quick little story about that when when our kids were in middle school we went to the back to school thing whatever at night and one of the teachers told us her favorite story from the kids coming back from school is we, you know, we live in Gross Point. It's right on Lake St. Clair, right? And uh, there's tons of boats there right off of uh, Lakeshore Drive, Jefferson. And, and she said one of the kids and his older brother, they were like, you know, middle school, high school. And they started a business where they went to get pizzas and they would walk them out to the to the people on the boats and sell them for twice the price, like twenty dollar pizzas from little whatever they were, like the the hot and ready five dollar pizza. They sell them for twenty bucks. <laughs> like just that the kid made a fortune in the summer. Entrepreneurship, it's a beautiful thing. I, it is, yeah, yeah. Just like, just like what the Big Ten's doing. And on that note, we're <laughs> oh no, you had to ruin it. Uh, on on that note, listen, uh, let's wrap this up, Carlos. If that's if that's okay with you. We have to thank Anjanette. She's getting antsy on that beach. Yeah, let's thank Anjanette Delgado, the executive producer, co-executive producer of this podcast. But we need look. Okay, fine, Anjanette. Let's start with Andrew though, because he's the man. He's the one. Yeah. He's the one that yeah. makes this happen. Those other people just—I don't know. I don't know what they do. Who knows? They're glory hounds. Yeah, that's, that's all. I guess. I guess if you want, yeah. Like, there's a lot of glory here. Um, in any case, <laughs> Andrew Hammond. It doesn't happen without him, does it? No, All right. nothing happened without him. Let's thank that producer, not that producer, our producer. Anjanette, of course, uh, co-executive producer, along with Kirk McCrawford, who's, co-exec, who's uh, also, what is he? Sports editor, Carlos. 
sports editor. He's also yeah. the sports editor. And we want to thank Peter Batia, the editor of the Free Press. Carlos, um, if you like this show, what do you do? You call Sean Windsor and ask him for directions on how to find it somewhere. Oh, yeah, okay. That's what we can do. Or you could just go onto your phone and check out Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can find the Carlos to the Free Press Sports Carlos and Sean there. That might be a little bit easier. Once you get Or you know what? You can also go to can they go to freep.com slash podcast now or something? You, yeah, you can do that or a lot of sports stories. You can find us at the top of the sports stories because of course we are the most important thing. And that's why we're at the top. I mean, we're above the byline. Right? Well, unless that's Dave Riquette's story, then he deletes ours and then he puts yeah, it in his own, whatever it is. So you can find us there all over. Yeah, freep.com. That'd be a great spot. In any case, when you do find us, uh, give us, a, give us a, a rating. You know, Tell us what you think. We always love your feedback. We also love that you spend time with us uh, every week. We are grateful, and we look forward to joining you next week. Treasure, yeah.